Today I'm going to talk about something kind of random and kind of specific, but it's related to everything going on in the world with coronavirus and it's related to our general theme of government making things worse rather than better. So one thing we talk about a lot when we talk about incentive structures and economics is when government involvement pretty much incentivizes people to do the wrong thing or something that is less ideal than if the government didn't dip their toe into it. So what I'm going to talk about is the current moratoriums on evictions and kind of how that relates to everything. So I I, I guess I would start by saying, in general, a landlord doesn't want to evict a tenant. So what what, what, what do I mean by that? Well, it's kind of like how high turnover rates at jobs um, is really bad for an employer because if an employee quits, then the employer has to go out of their way to expend resources to leverage people to find a new hire and replace them. And at some places that might not cost a lot. If, if, if it's a fast food restaurant and there's a lot of people in the area who are always actively looking for jobs, then it might not cost a lot to hire a new employee. But if you're talking about other highly specialized industries where you need to sort through 30 candidates to pick one, then you might be talking about paying a firm to, you know, post job postings on Indeed and to do do the first round of interviews and to make sure people even get in the door. So then you might be talking about thousands of dollars per replacement. Um, And and I actually recently listened to uh, a selection of readings from the Harvard Business Review for 2021, and one of them was all about this. So turnover costs some money. Well, a similar thing can be said about tenants and landlords. So depending on the demand for a a unit, it's not good to have turnover. You have to pay a agent usually to show the apartments and give them a portion of the, the rent over a certain amount of time. Um, so so, so there, there's an expense there. And if there's an amount of time between, you know, the tenant you kicked out and your next tenant, you're not getting paid rent for those months. So it, it's really not ideal. And, that, and that, that's not even talking about the, any, any legal procedures you might have to take. I mean, depending on your business model, you might have somebody like you might have a person who specializes the, specializes the, in, you know, evicting people ready to go. But in general, it isn't cost effective. And to, to touch on government involvement, currently, a lot of times local governments essentially subsidize landlords evicting people by paying police officers to show up and kick people out of their house and tell them like, hey, you need to leave at this certain time because of this what your lease states. But if you didn't have the government taking that role in, you'd have to hire somebody to enforce the contract. So you'd have to essentially have a security guard of some sorts um, instead. So currently landlords are getting subsidized on that front. So those are just a few reasons why a landlord's not excited to evict a tenant. But weirdly... When we live in this world where 
the you know a lot of people lost their jobs because of the government's reaction to the coronavirus especially in low income service oriented jobs that that would seem to indicate that there shouldn't be a lot of demand for low income housing especially in, in urban areas where a lot of people are leaving so you'd think that if you didn't have the um, you know interference of government a lot of landlords wouldn't really be in the market of kicking people out but but despite this, we are seeing high amounts of evictions unless the government's actively, you know, enforcing the eviction moratoriums that have been passed in different aspects across different regions. So I just wanted to bring this up because this is one of those things that kind of drives me crazy as an anarcho-capitalist. Because the incentive structures in all these specific industries gets tweaked in such like in almost incalculable ways because of what random things get subsidized by government. Or like when you reflect back on the financial crisis in 2008, you have all these things that come from government subsidizing home ownership for low-income people. So, so you, could, you could blame it on greed of certain people taking leveraged risks, but you could also think, well, we told, the, the government told banks to give loans at subsidized rates to people who couldn't afford them, and then we bought those loans from the banks. So even if you blame Moody's for, you know, overly rating those loans and then bundling them and selling them, it, those people shouldn't be in loans in the first place. And you set up these people to act in bad ways because you thought that these loans were backed by the credit of the government. And you don't think the government will default. So, of course, you rated them AAA. Stuff like that. So now you have these landlords who live in a world where the government's essentially deemed what they can and can't do. And for that reason, it wouldn't be unreasonable for a landlord to think the government's going to bail them out. And this is also what you see with small businesses. A lot of people who've had their small businesses shut down kind of rightfully think that the government's going to bail them out if they're at risk of going under. We haven't seen a lot of that happening. But, but either way, you, you're going to have landlords expecting loans or expecting other things from the government because government has dipped their toe into it if they actually abide by the eviction moratorium. But in reality, if you didn't have the government coming in, and telling people what they can and can't do, then these landlords have to actually make these very real calculations. And then you could have nuanced problem solving. But right now, because you go from different jurisdictions randomly having complete bans on evictions or not, people have to act in very blunt ways because you have to abide by regulations. So instead of having like the leniency of thinking, okay, I live in a world where there's low demand, Although this tenant hasn't made money because they work in the service industry, they might be making money when things reopen, I need to actually evaluate my costs and losses. Well, instead, they end up responding to the government policies with whatever seems obvious to do. Um, so if evictions are banned, they either go along with it or they find out those eviction bans are actually enforced and then kick the people out. Um, and, it, and it's pr pretty much all the, the fruit of this bad policy. Um, but, but then there are examples of businesses actually working it out with realtors. And you see this a lot on the business side. Well, you see this a lot like when it comes to mall contracts, right? And you see it in a lot of places that have very specialized contracts. There's actually a piece in the Wall Street Journal I think I can pull it up here. So, so it was from January 12th. It was called Commercial Tenants Get Rent Cuts. And a lot of what it discusses are their specialized contracts with, uh, with a lot of businesses and the, these people who own huge amounts of property have to sit there and think, okay, is this store going to leave forever? Or should I give them a cut and then just deal with it? 
and a lot of places have gotten rent cuts. And one of the reasons why is because in malls, um, so, so, so malls kind of benefit from network effects. If you have, you know, a hundred businesses in a mall, you're more likely to get foot traffic because if anybody finds like any handful of those, um, stores convenient at the time, they'll show up to the whole mall. And then, you know, if they see your store, they might just stop in. So it's more beneficial to be in a mall with say like 80 shops than 40. So in a lot of these contracts, they have it kind of listed in, in, in the contract at some point that if the amount of shops in the mall um, drops from, say, like 75 to 50, their rent will go down. So, well, now these malls that own all this land uh, and all this property and all these storefronts don't want people moving out because then it will dramatically drop the rates at every location. So they're having to work with people. So I, I, I guess what I'm getting at is you have this you have this like d disgusting plague that touches um, every, every field the government ends up dipping their toe in, right? So you don't know who's going to get bailed out or who isn't going to get bailed out. You don't know what regulations they're going to put in or not put in. But what you do know if you own property is I don't know what's going on. These people aren't allowed to have jobs and they don't have money. So if I'm allowed to, I'm going to kick them out because that feels like the safe thing to do. And the worst case scenario for those people would be if they're not sure and they are allowed to kick somebody out, and then all of a sudden, two months later, Joe Biden makes it so now they're not allowed to kick those people out. So because you have to worry about the policy that dictates what you're allowed to do, you're probably going to do something that's much more blunt and less nuanced because you have to worry about the regulatory overreach. But then we see in certain commercial sectors, they actually, when there's a lot of money on the line, they actually come up with creative solutions <laughs> that are based on specific relationships. Um, and the reason why I point that out is because it's not that hard to imagine the world where the government doesn't touch this at all. And we all know, oh, the government can't, you know, stop evictions. That'd be crazy. That'd be over the top. And then once everybody's in that mindset, you don't have people begging for government to reach in. And because of that, you don't have people who own property worrying about unexpected regulations popping up the second a Democrat gets elected. But, when, but since you have to worry about Joe Biden getting the reins of power and then, you know, taking away your rights to evict somebody, if they're not paying the rent, you're going to evict them tomorrow because you just don't want to show up on um, January 19th and then go, oh, I'm not allowed to evict them anymore because of a new policy. So even if the, there was wiggle room before, since now that, that that option can't be on the table two months down the road, you're going to do something drastic. Um, so I, I, I bring this all up, too, because I, I touched on this when I talked about Ilhan Omar's comments on canceling rent. But it's such a multifaceted problem that it's kind of disheartening and a little dishonest that it gets um, so overtly simplified by politicians. Because you have to remember, even though we often conflate people who own like large amounts of property with rich people, it's very easy to forget how highly leveraged rich people and big businesses are. So it, it seems like a company can be making amazing profits, but then the second you say shut down malls in a whole state, their revenue can drop to the floor. Things like that can happen. So you have people who are leveraged in loans where they, they make great revenue in, in normal times, right, right, just renting out their spaces. But then the second a government policy comes into play because the coronavirus hits, the government inst institutes a one-size-fits-all policy, and then it's like, hey, now 30% of these shops want to shut down. Well, now the person who owns the storefronts, he, did, he didn't buy it up front. He bought it through a mortgage loan. 
now he's struggling to afford his mortgage loan. So it's like all of these issues, it's not just a tenant issue, it's a tenant issue, and then it's the person who owns the land, but then it's the person who owns the land generally has a loan, because not a lot of people outright own something, a lot of people own things because they have a loan out on it. I mean, and this is a lot of homeowners have mortgages, and this is why you also see evictions not just about renters, but about people with mortgages. So, so that's just like another another level that layers on to this whole problem. That, that and, and, and this is kind of why I like to dispel the idea that a simple economic policy, like I guess the $15 minimum wage or a trillion dollar uh, spending package, actually does anything. Because a lot of times you have these like confounding variables that make it hard for people to make educated decisions. And the real people who should be making decisions are the one who you know, are directly invested in it. There are people who directly have skin in the game and they, 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 they need to model out their, you know, three scenarios of what they should do, right? It's like, should I evict the person? Should I wait three months and then maybe evict the person? Or should I just trust that it's going to be hard to find a tenant and that I trust this person because they lived here for two years and I'll let them get back on their feet completely and we'll, we'll figure out a repayment model when things are back to normal. It's like somebody could weigh those. They, 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 they could do probabilities, assign probabilities, they, they could do expected value calculations. But instead, it's just like uh, the, 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 the government just makes the rules, snaps the fingers, and the decision is made for them. And the person is, the, 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 the property owner is just at the mercy of the government. And, and, and the, the renter is at the mercy of the government. The, the renter can't work with their landlord because their landlord's freaked out about it. The government's going to ban evictions. And then they have to do what's conservative at the time if they have that risk, and that's kick them out. So it's, it's just... When I look at like the the Ilhan Omar type type take, it's it's really just landlords are greedy. Landlords aren't the lower class, so they're really just being greedy when they kick somebody out. And, and in reality, I think they're responding to genuine concerns about what the government's going to do next. So if there aren't eviction moratoriums, then there might be coming up. So what are you going to do now? The conservative thing and evict them. And the, these people are often leveraged in loans, and it's not just that they make profit off you know, renting out the properties. It's like they also use a lot of that money to pay off the loans they have. So it's not it's not that cut and dry. And a lot of these people who are, you know, in the emerging um, progressive left don't understand this. And, and it's not that they're too stupid to understand it. It's just a nuanced point. And what, when in political discourse do you get nuanced points? And it's a few and far between. So I think that's something that just needs to be considered going forward. I, I don't expect them to, obviously. <laughs> I expect them to pursue their agendas and pursue the talking points that, that work best for their political gain. But it's something that you should at least be aware of, because when, when people spew talking points, you got to know them. you got to know a decent counter-argument, too, because it's easy to sound heartless. And it's really just s simply thinking about it enough to go, this is a complex situation. Why should somebody be centrally planning it? That's all you really need to start responding to the talking points and to kind of be a little bit above the basic propaganda and recognize when somebody's just spewing property, uh, not property, spewing propaganda for the, the, the benefit of their own agenda. So, so once you can recognize basic talking points, it kind of gets you a long way. Um, so I hope you guys didn't mind my, I guess, 15-minute ramble about evictions, but this is something that's just been bothering me since the first eviction moratoriums came down. And and i just like to point out, the eviction moratoriums that came from the CDC of all places, what does the CDC have to do with your property rights? They shouldn't have anything to do with it. That's just odd. I wouldn't have expected I would expect it from, like, you know, the Department of Urban Housing Development, maybe. Or, like, yeah, yeah, HUD. Um, but I, I, I guess they didn't want Ben Carson out there 
you know, telling people you're not allowed to evict people anymore. That that, that would be odd for most. somebody who's supposed to be conservative. But of all places, the CDC, wow, that, that, that that's very weird. And, and using it in the frame of it'll increase COVID deaths is a weird, weird take on it. Um, but that is aside the point. Uh, okay, I hope you guys enjoyed my, my, my general take on this. I, I just have so much like that, that, that has been coming at me at all angles that I'm seeing. Um, and I know the Biden stimulus plan came out. In general, I talked about why I don't think a stimulus plan is going to be effective, so I wasn't sure if I should bother rehashing it. I think I might just talk about the $15 minimum wage proposal, because that's the new thing I kind of didn't tread into. And there's a lot there, even though I think um, I, I'm very, very much opposed to it. But there is a lot there that you could discuss, and it depends how deep we'd want to go. So I think I might do an episode on that coming up. And then hopefully that will be a more intelligent take on the $15 minimum wage than you'd get from... I guess Ben Shapiro. And that's not to say Ben Shapiro is stupid, but it's to say he kind of gives a generic conservative talking point answer that I don't think is the steel man argument. Um, okay, <laughs> I, th- I threw a lot at you guys. I hope you enjoyed. Feel free to check out the backlog. And, and, as, and as always, um, I hope you tune in on the next episode. Thank you. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcatcher or share the podcast with a friend. You can find out more information about the Obey podcast at anchor.fm slash Obey podcast or on Twitter at the Obey podcast. Until next time. Next time.